Hey, and welcome back to the Mostly NBA Podcast. This is episode six, and I am Michael Higgins. And I'm Matt LeVay. And we're coming to you with some breaking NBA news. Wanted to get an episode in while the news was still fresh. Uh, Matt, obviously, what I'm mostly discussing is that DeMarcus Cousins trade uh, from Sacramento to New Orleans on All-Star Game night. While Boogie Cousins was sitting in New Orleans, he was informed that that was his new destination. Uh, This comes after a little bit of of no NBA news. We've kind of had... you know, a bit of an explosion here as of late. But DeMarcus Cousins, you know, he's been a guy that has seen his ups and downs in Sacramento. You know, that organization dealt with a lot of his antics over the years. But through it all, he gave them just such great performances. I think he's one of the top three centers in the league um, for sure in the NBA, if not the best center in the league. And, you know, now he's teaming up with Anthony Davis, another one of those top three in New Orleans. And I think that that's you know, obviously a huge move for a team that's kind of a fringe playoff team. Um, interesting for Cousins because this is his first change of scenery in the NBA. I mean, you know, you you get a guy with the uh, the kind of the kind of personality that he has, and a lot of guys don't you know stick in one place for a while. But Cousins made it last in Sacramento for a lot longer than people thought. And then you know you you had him making the comments in the beginning of the season. You know, he wanted to see his jersey hanging in the rafters in Sacramento. He wanted to retire a king, and you know. General Manager Vlade Divac, uh, you know, making it making it known that he wanted to keep Cousins, that Cousins was not somebody they were giving up, especially with the Kings pushing for that last playoff spot, I believe only two and a half games out at the All-Star break. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, Cousins, I, I didn't really expect him to get traded um, just because of the, the commentary over these last few months, not only from Cousins, but also from Kings ownership. So what are your thoughts um, on just the shock factor of the trade? Yeah, so I definitely think that it just <clears throat> kind of took people by surprise. Obviously, you heard a little bit of talk, though, you know, as the trade deadline's approaching and whatnot about, you know, they could possibly be shopping around. But, you know, him and Divac both, you know, sat together. Divac and ownership, you know, they went into DeMarcus Cousins' home and they had a conversation with him about what his future would hold, you know, what his feelings were, you know, currently. And Cousins clearly stated that he wanted, you know, to stay in Sacramento. And, you know, like you said earlier, Mike, he wanted to possibly retire there, you know, have his jersey in the rafters and whatnot. But uh, so that I think is the biggest thing that kind of took people by surprise. I mean, they really didn't think it would happen. But obviously, here we are, um, you know, the Pelicans giving up, you know, Buddy Cheese, just almost the steal of a century, some are calling it for what they were able to get out of it. Just such a talent, you know, as DeMarcus Cousins is. Um, I just think that's extremely scary. I mean, think about it. Two, you know, of the top three best big men. I know you're big on Marcus Saul over there, but I would argue that these might be, you know, still the two most talented big men in the league. And the thing is, though, about these two guys is they're not traditional centers, though. You know, both of these guys have the ability to shoot the ball. Um, you know, they can spread the floor on you. They're not just going to stay in the post the whole time. Both really, really good defenders. And that's just going to be extremely difficult for teams going forward. I expect probably DeMarcus is going to obviously be the five. And this finally gives Anthony a little bit of room to, you know, kind of run the edges and whatnot. Um, and, you know, get a little more involved in different parts of the offense. But this is just going to be a really, really dangerous team going forward. Let's see if they can make a playoff push heading down, you know, towards the end of the season. And we're getting into the last two months here. Um, we'll see if they can make a push towards that. And maybe, you know, who knows, they make it to the playoffs. If they're gelling at the right time, maybe they'll make some noise. Yeah, I think it's definitely easy to talk about the excitement factor here, to talk about, you know, all the things that we can envision with uh, both Davis and Cousins on the floor at the same time. But before we get into that, I kind of want to look at the Sacramento side of this deal. Um, This is a team that has put its fans through a lot of misery. I mean, they haven't really made a playoff push, a deep playoff push since, what, the early 2000s with those teams with, you know, Pedro Stajakovic and Mike Bibby. 
So, you know, you look at it from Sacramento's side, they have a, a generational talent in Cousins. I think someone who, during the change of the center position in the NBA, was able to adapt to it. Like you said, he's a guy who can spread the floor. Um, he can play on the perimeter even a little bit. And this is a guy that, you know, he, he gave a lot to Sacramento. Um, he changed with them as he needed. He I think he was more mature than people gave him credit for. I think, you know, it kind of blew up in the news whenever he would have some sort of... Uh, something come up just based on his reputation coming out of college, you know, such a such a huge personality coming out of Kentucky. But I think Sacramento fans have just had way too much to go through, so much heartbreak. And Cousins seemed to be, you know, something that they could hold on to for a while, you know, definitely gave them some hope. You know, he's a guy that you can build a team around, and they just unfortunately did not do that. And it wasn't for lack of trying, you know, they've tried the guards over the years with Rudy Gay and Ben McLemore and people like that, but they were never able to get him that that missing piece that kind of got them to the next level. And so you look, you know, coming into this season, they're sitting a few games out of that last playoff spot. And it's surprising, you know, people don't expect the Kings this late into the season to be relevant. And what do they do? They go ahead and they make some make themselves irrelevant for, you know, who, who knows how many more years going forward. You know, just a, a little bit of reaction from Sacramento fans online just shows that they they don't want to support this team anymore. Um, they don't want to support a team that doesn't look like it's headed in any sort of positive direction one they've waited so long for them to get into. So, you know, getting Buddy healed out of this, you know, I think I think Divach is a little in over his head. Um, I think he he values Healed as someone he's not. Um Healed was obviously a very talented scorer um out of Oklahoma. Hasn't made too much noise in the NBA yet. You know, he's a guy that I think can develop into a solid player, a solid scorer, but I don't think he's ever going to um, you know, be a huge superstar in this league. Um, you know, Sacramento also gets a first round pick out of it. Who knows what that's going to end up being. But yeah, I think you were right about the Pelicans getting a steal out of this. You know, you got to, if there's a proven talent and you've got unproven talent and you want to win, you know, in the short term, you always make that deal. It's the same kind of trade, um, I feel as probably to a lesser extent, but you know, as a Cleveland fan, I always think back to the Kevin Love for Andrew Wiggins deal. You know, a lot of people criticize that. Obviously Wiggins was, was, you know, the number one pick. He wasn't you know, Buddy Heald doesn't have the kind of upside that Andrew Wiggins has. Um, but on the other end of that, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, I think, at his position is much more dominant than Kevin Love is. So, you know, there were a lot of people criticizing that kind of deal. And, oh, do you, you know, for the win now, do you sacrifice such a big future? I think it's the other way around in this deal. I think the big future is the thing that is less... Um, the big future for Buddy Heald is something that is less concrete than the immediate effect that Cousins is going to have in New Orleans. So I think it's a lot less of a risk, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I think Sacramento, it just doesn't really look like that organization has a direction or knows what it wants to be. You know, I've seen several sports writers talk about how, you know, the Kings were almost relieved to have Cousins um, out of that that locker room just for a culture change. But I, I think that that was kind of, you know, played up a little bit. And I think that Cousins, you know, had come around to what he was going to be and the Kings didn't put anybody around him. And, you know, their fans are now the ones suffering from it. Yeah, Mike, obviously just devastating for the fan base there. And there just didn't seem like there has much of a future there with Cousins anyways, as is, you know. Um, they awfully, he was there for what, how many years? I want to say five or six. Yeah, five or six years and what? You know, they haven't gone to the playoffs in any of those years. They had that talent there the whole time, and they still weren't able to do enough to put enough around him to get him to a playoff position. So, I mean, what else can you do if it's not working? If it's not working, I mean, why continue to try? You know, give him a start fresh, give you a start fresh, and go forward from there. Yeah, I see what you're saying on the fresh start thing uh, for, for both Sacramento as an organization and Cousins, but I, 
I tend to swing the other way where I think that when you're six years in, there isn't there isn't much room for a, you know a fresh start when you have someone at the at the peak of their talent right here. You've got to you've got to attack you know the project in front of you. You've got to commit to spending some money because um, I think a fresh start kind of just throws all that out the window. When you have a piece there, I think you need to use it. Um, that said, you know look at the Pelicans. Look at the pieces they have now. It's definitely going to be um, a happier time in New Orleans than Sacramento over these next few years. Um, you look at the Pelicans, you know, you talked a little bit about it before. Just look at the interior of that team. Um, you know, down low, you have Anthony Davis and you have Boogie Cousins. And I think you're right, no doubt, that Boogie runs the runs the five and Davis um, gets a little more uh, free range out, you know, on the perimeter. But I think their offense can be such a dynamic thing now because both of those players are that kind of stretch five player that can, uh, you know, draw draw opposing big men out of the paint but opposing big man that can't really run with Cousins and Davis. Um, you know, we've seen these guys not routinely, but semi-routinely pull up from three before. So, you know, it's it's that kind of league now with centers. And these are two guys that have the body types that fit the old kind of center. You know, the, the really big bruisers in the paint, but they can they can really, you know, um, have an effect outside of the paint. And, uh, you know, almost playing it like they're like they're a hybrid 4-5. And I think having two of those guys can be lethal, especially um, with teams around the West and just around the NBA in general, mostly going small. You know, they're they're kind of taking a different approach. They're taking that Memphis Grizzlies, you know, Randolph Gasol approach to having, you know, a team built around those guys who are big and who can, you know, make big-time mismatches for other teams. And I think that it's going to be pretty exciting to see what they can do, especially on that offensive end. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you did mention, you know, these aren't these aren't, you know, your your stiff centers that can't really move with people. Like we said, they can come out on the perimeter. So, these are guys that can defend. So, this creates a lot of matchup problems. That's the that's the main thing that I'm trying to get at. This New Orleans team is going to scare teams, but not with their size. I think it's with the kind of speed they have with the size. Um and they're going to create on the offensive end, you know, they're going to there's not much you can put on both of those guys at the same time. Um but on the defensive end as well, it's not going to become a thing where they kind of disappear down there and, you know, teams are scoring on them every possession. So I think this is this is just a, a huge move, um, you know, really puts New Orleans in the driver's seat out of those teams that are vying for that final spot. Um, and I think they could even get up, you know, they could get up to a seven seed. That's something that's not out of the picture. And, you know, you touched on it a little earlier as well, Matt. You know, they could, they could make noise in the playoffs. It depends on who that matchup is. If they get a smaller team... Um, not trying to, you know, point fingers, but Golden State is a smaller team. You know, they're not, you know, bruising on on the glass. That's kind of been their weakness, um, and that was their weakness last year in the finals, and it was, you know, exposed by teams that can rebound. So look at, you know, a team that's built completely opposite from Golden State, and, you know, you kind of you just have to wonder what, what would happen in that kind of matchup. Absolutely, Mike. There's no doubt about it. Those two guys are going to cause some real problems down low for teams, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. But just the biggest thing for me that's just kind of a huge letdown at the moment, or just like a a deterrent for me going forward with this team is, well, I guess there's going to be two things for me. First off, obviously, anytime a new acquisition like this, you know, comes to a team, a huge player, like say, for instance, right now, DeMarcus Cousins, obviously, um, it's going to take time for guys to gel. I don't see them instantly coming in and it working right away. Um, I think it's going to still take a little time to kind of feel the flow between him and Davis. And another thing with this Pelicans team at the moment, I mean, who are their guards? I mean, besides these two guys right now, Anthony Davis and, and DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, what, Drew Holiday? Solomon Hill, I mean, you don't really have much guard or forward play at the moment. So, I mean, it's really going to go through these guys. And to, to truly be successful 
Um, you know, down the stretch, they're going to have to get huge play out of their guards and whatnot. And I think that's honestly going to be the key going forward. I don't think you're going to have to worry about, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis down low. They're going to do their thing. But um, will the guards and, you know, other key players and key bench players come up and help them? And just allow them to, you know, to really fill in those pieces that they need because it's going to have to be a complete team effort. You know, as great as Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are, I mean, they can't do it all. They're going to have to get that play from other guys on the team. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. You know, people are getting, and myself included, people are getting carried away um, with just how excited this looks. Um, Obviously, nobody has seen them play together yet. So, well, by the time this podcast comes out, maybe we will. But, you know... No one's going to have seen them, you know, for a long period of time playing the kind of basketball that players who have played together for, you know, a year, two years have that kind of synergy, I guess. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, but you're right. They, they don't have much around them. I mean, you know, Holiday is, what, a former All-Star one time, I think. But yeah, outside of that, that roster is pretty depleted still. I mean, that was a team that, other than Anthony Davis, was also still in a rebuild. Now, I think they've significantly improved, obviously, with DeMarcus Cousins, and they've kind of you know, pushed themselves a lot further down on that rebuild. And it's exciting to see because these guys have room to grow still. I mean, Anthony Davis is, I believe, 23. Cousins is 25 or 26. You know, these are young guys who are in or probably, actually probably not even in, like approaching their prime. Um, So this is a team that could hang around for a bit. And this is the time that New Orleans has to, you know, kind of buckle down, get these guys, um, you know, signed long term. You know, Cousins has that expiring contract that, you know, was a big story in Sacramento. And that was a lot of the reason why these talks about, you know, whether or not he would stay or go came up a lot, you know, in this year and in the past summer and whatnot. So I think New Orleans, first off, has to make sure that this what they're trying to make it work, they have to commit to it for a few years. And I think that's something that's definitely worth it. Um, and then past that, you got to start, you know, looking at options on the free agency market, looking for, you know, some playmakers that allow this team to not only stay relevant, but to really compete. You know, you've got those building blocks, those those guys in the middle that you're going to have there anchoring your team. Now you got to get the guys around them. And that means a bench as well as, you know, the other three starters. You know, Holiday, he's a serviceable starter. I think he's a serviceable NBA starter when you have two stars on your team so I think they need to solidify that bench um, in these coming years but I think just the prospect of what this team could be is exciting Um, and for right now it's just kind of interesting and you know what Mike as we're comparing these two organizations let's kind of point this out you have Sacramento who has this perennial all-star DeMarcus Cousins who year after year they just truly couldn't get you know a special person to come and join them up there or just you know multiple guys to really fulfill that team and get them to where they could be with DeMarcus Cousins there they didn't put enough around him Compare that right now to New Orleans, where over the past few years they've had Anthony Davis and whatnot, obviously one of the best players in this league. And, you know, they they made the playoffs and whatnot a few years, but it just truly nothing to, you know, get them in conversation with the rest of the teams in the West. So you have an organization like New Orleans who goes out and helps their superstar. You know, they bring in a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, someone to help him right away that can really push them to that point. You look at Sacramento, on the other hand, they weren't willing to sacrifice to truly make that organization successful with DeMarcus Cousins. That just truly shows you the state of where both of these franchises are at right now. One is heading down a really dark path and the other a really bright one. And, you know, staying in the West, Mike, right now, looking at, you know, another team that's trying to rebuild, you got the Lakers now getting some buzz in the news, obviously making making huge changes to their staff. Obviously, you know, Jeannie Buss finally going ahead and 
calling it quits on her brother and, you know, finally ending it, which needed to be done. And they fire the GM, Cupchak as well, getting him out of there. Just, you know, they're taking a fresh approach too, bringing in Irving, Magic, Johnson, Lakers fans get excited. Uh, the Magic has returned uh, to take the Lakers to the promised land, right, Mike? Yeah, we'll say it's a, we'll say it's a, a step in the direction of the promised land. I think I think the Lakers, you know, they've had a rough go of it these last few years. And I think Jeannie Buss definitely, um, you know, with a very bold move, but something like you said, it needed to be done and they did it and it's exciting. And they have Magic Johnson, you know, running a large portion of that team now. And we'll see how he does, you know. You know, he's been talking about, oh, I would definitely like to do that someday, you know, a lot recently. And, you know, talking about, oh, the first thing I would do if I were in charge of the Lakers, I'd bring in Kobe Bryant. And so I think it's the Lakers. They have these big dreams of what they want um, the team to be run like. And, you know, they're starting to try and, you know, sort of dig into that, see what they can be. They've got a lot of young talent. There's on the upswing of a, you know, sort of a new era of Lakers basketball. And now it's going to be, you know, headed by Magic Johnson. So we'll see where that takes them. I think it's a positive thing for now. I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, we'll see how he settles in there and how the, this season sort of ends. And then, you know, getting some momentum into the summer, you know, kind of see if they start taking off as fast as some people um, hope and expect them to. And as we speak, it is the Wednesday before the trade deadline Thursday. So a lot of buzz around what could happen. A lot of teams looking for that extra playmaker, even in that Sacramento deal with uh, New Orleans. A lot of guys that New Orleans either did let go of or are, you know, kind of possibly looking to drop for salary reasons. Um, you know, people like Terrence Jones, guys like that. You know, yesterday, who was the Houston L.A. trade? They had uh, Lou Williams is yeah, going to Houston. Lou Williams. Yeah, so Lou Williams on his way to Houston, you know, Corey Brewer, and I believe a pick going to the Lakers. So things like that, um, not, not nothing huge anymore. I think Boogie was pretty much the biggest domino to fall. Um, but, you know, it's going to send off possibly, you know, a flurry of other little moves that contenders are trying to make to stay, not to stay relevant, but probably to increase their chances heading down, you know, this stretch run towards the playoffs. You know, it's getting towards March. I mean, that's... You know the the competition, as we talked about in the last episode, is definitely heating up for those for those playoff spots. Um, not only for the overall eight spots to get into the playoffs, but for the particular spots too for the seeding. So I think it's going to be interesting um, to see who picks up whom. Um, as a Cavs fan, I know that we're definitely in on trying to get someone. They, they want another rotation player, and there, there's a lot of them available. A lot of people um, that can step in and help teams rotation wise. Um, so yeah, I just think it's going to be interesting in this next day or so. Yeah, Mike, and just to kind of go off of what you mentioned there tonight is the Wednesday before the official trade deadline tomorrow on Thursday. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts about, you just talked about your Cavs now, and there's some buzz going around that the Cavs could possibly trade Iman Shumpert to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Patrick Beverly. Now I know obviously throughout the course of this season, LeBron's been very vocal, uh, towards the front office about getting a backup point guard. You know, someone that could come in there and give Kyrie just a little bit of more time to rest on the bench. Kyrie is playing extremely extended minutes, and just they needed someone that can come in off the bench and help him out a little bit. So, what are your thoughts if that trade were to go through? That's an interesting one. Um, I hadn't actually heard that until you just said it. <laughs> um, I've I've seen a lot around about you know what the Cavs want to do with Shumpert. He's definitely. Um, the most flexible piece they have, I believe, right now. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of wing players there. You've got some defenders. You certainly have a lot of shooters. And that's not one of Shumpert's strongest points, but that's something he's improved on this year. But it's nothing that they would really miss. I think they would most um, see a change in just how that locker room is kind of constructed. I mean, 
Shumpert's pretty a pretty vocal guy. He's definitely a part of that culture. Um, and Beverly, you know, he's had his run-ins before. You know, he he's he's a bit of a question mark in the locker room. Um, I think the culture that LeBron has brought to Cleveland would definitely, you know, round him into some sort of shape um, if he's not already in it. I mean, he hasn't been like awful. <laughs> but um, I think Patrick Beverly, I mean, that's such a solid backup point guard. I mean, he's a starting point guard in the NBA when he's at his best. Um, when he's at his best, he's, you know, he's one of the better point guards in the NBA, as we saw several seasons ago. So I think that's something that's really interesting. I don't know if they would do that. And I, I don't think I'd be totally against it. I wouldn't be like really concerned. Because um, that's definitely someone who can step in for Kyrie. I mean, they kind of they kind of got screwed in that whole Mo Williams thing. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about that before, but Mo Williams left them without a backup point guard after he he took his his uh, he was taking up a roster spot without telling them whether or not he was coming back from his injury, and then they eventually just ended up, uh, I believe, throwing him in in the Corver trade. I think he was part of that. He was okay. So you know he was taking up a roster spot for forever. They saw Delavadova sign a big deal that they weren't going to spend the kind of money on, um, you know, in Milwaukee. So they were left without a backup point guard. Um, and then when Smith went down, you know, it's just such a such an absence of guards there. So you know they've been talking about getting rotation pieces. They picked up Derek Williams. They just signed him to a second ten day contract because the first one went very well. And you know LeBron was also vocal about him staying around. So I think they're looking for pieces. A lot of Cavs fans really want them to get Terrence Jones from New Orleans, someone I mentioned earlier. But if they could get a guard in the process of trying to get a rotation player, you know, kill two birds with one stone, that would be huge. And Patrick Beverly would be somebody, um, definitely somebody to look at. Uh, I think Shumpert would be missed in that locker room, but I don't think it would be something that would, um, you know, put this Cavs team on a bad track heading into the playoffs. I think they'd regroup pretty quickly and uh, get it together. So that would be, that, I think that'd be interesting. I don't necessarily want it to happen, but if it did happen, I would kind of, I wouldn't really react. I kind of sit back and wait. So that's what I have for you on that. You know, Mike, I think just the grand scheme out of all this and what we're finally seeing throughout this year is that the whole time, you know what the missing piece for the Cavs was? Della Vadova, Mike. It's oh, all man. about Della, man. It is. Man. It is. It's Della. It's his absence. Outback Jesus, as he was known in Cleveland. Outback Jesus. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been episode six of the Mostly NBA podcast. Looking forward to getting back with you guys, talking a little more ball heading into the future and just seeing how the New Orleans trade worked out too and uh, other things looking forward. So on behalf of Michael Higgins, I'm Matt LeVay, and thank you for joining us. 